You know, humans really do have a bizarre relationship with food. We're obsessed with talking about food, cooking food, buying food, and of course, eating food. Some love watching people eat spectacular amounts of food in record time. And yes, some like competing in these feats. Why? What is in it for both parties? And why is it turned from what was a state fair sideshow to a televised ranked professional endeavour? Is it a symbol of modern gluttony or is it something more, a sport that requires endurance and training just like any other? James Webb is a competitive eater, ranked number five in the world by Major League Eating, and he's number one in Australia. James, welcome to you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Some of the food that you eat competitively is not very easy to get down. I'm talking about a buffalo chicken wing here. Is there a technique to doing this, to getting this food into your mouth and your body as fast or faster than someone else? Yeah, look, definitely. Uh, definitely you have to close your eyes and just kind of chew it and swallow it as fast as you can. But with chicken wings, yeah, we train, we prepare, we practice. It's like a sport. So with chicken wings especially, actually a chicken wing contest is more than three quarters technique, right? You got to be efficient. And when you're up on stage, uh, particularly in these um, quite well-attended competitions, What's going through your mind? I mean, are you, are you conscious of the crowd watching you or are you just focused on the task? What is going through your mind? I look, a bit of both. I mean, look, it's it's always cool when your name gets announced and, you know, you do your introduction and you just see, you know, waves of people just cheer and yell and scream and get amongst it, right? So that's a real cool feeling. Once the eating starts, you're so focused on what you've got to do. You don't really pay attention to what's going on around you because, you know, you got like, you know, you got 10 minutes or 12 minutes or eight minutes just to give it hell, you know, and it's like white noise. I read that you got into competitive eating by chance. You were on a wine tasting trip to the Hunter Valley in New South Wales. You decided to try the burger eating challenge at a local establishment and you turned out to be quite good at it. What, what does it mean to be good at this? Like, how did you find that out? How did you realize this could be a professional endeavor for you? Uh, that exact question I asked myself. I had no idea what competitive eating was. That burger challenge was a complete joke. Like I just did it for a laugh. And then um, I guess how I found out I was good at it was I did a few other like food challenges that people recommended to me, I guess beat or won challenges that no one had won before. And then in the contests, um, we go up against other people. I did very well and I, I won them all. And that's when I realized, okay, whatever this is, I'm quite good at it. Whatever you're good at, you know, you tend to enjoy. But I met my new, you know, my best buddies now are competitive eaters. Um, well, as you can see, my life is literally traveling the world eating food now. So competitive eating, it's it's changed my life. So much so that you quit your job in sales. How do you make a living off this? How is the industry structured professionally? So there's a couple of ways. Um, and look, I didn't quit my job straight away. The obvious money maker is when you win a contest or you do well in a contest, there's more often than not very decent prize money, especially here in the States. And then you've got the associated, I guess, social media content that comes with doing food challenges. And I guess the, uh, the byproduct of that is now brands want to be on my platform to be seen. So you get paid brand deals, um, you align with other brands, marketing companies, um, restaurants, venues, whatever it may be. I literally make my money by eating food on camera and producing a video from that. 
This is what I can't get my head around. The, I mean, that Nathan's Hot Dog Eating uh, Championship that you recently competed in, there was 40,000 people watching. Uh, who are the hardcore fans of this sport? Because certainly there's the kind of, uh, you know, curiosity of, of seeing it once, but seeing it lots of times and following the different proponents, that's a whole different thing. So talk to me about some of the hardcore fans of this sport. Look, I spend a lot of time in America because it's biggest here. They love entertainment. They love sports entertainment. And you give your typical American any chance or any opportunity to cheer and laugh and yell at someone and encourage and that will do it. So <laughs> competitive eating is that fine, fine line between like a train wreck where you can't look away and entertaining as hell. It's very big in Asia. Asia's Korean culture, food. Korean culture yeah. gets into the uh, like voyeurism of others eating as well. So Korea and Japan is massive for what for what we do. Their sports are very very entertainment focused, right? They love to have a good time. You don't have to know anything about competitive eating to cheer someone on. Like you know, you watch a soccer match or a football match or whatever it may be. If you don't know the rules, you can't really get into it, right? Whereas competitive eating, the rules are pretty simple. Whoever eats the most wins, you know, uh, that's basically the rules. And uh, I think that's why people get around it because it's just very easy to follow. And yet you must get people who say to you that it encourages unhealthy habits or unhealthy, you know, dietary type uh, habits. How do you counter those sorts of people? Can I be honest with you? The people that say that kind of thing, they're the ones that have, whether it be a bad relationship with food or weight issues. So you kind of take it with a grain of salt and just kind of get on with it. If you look at most competitive eaters, we're actually quite fit. Part of it is like, you know, we all train. You have off-season and on-season, right? So we have contest season. Like, for example, I, I'm, I've finished contests for now. I've got a couple of weeks off. So you just live a regular life. You just chill out. You eat like a normal person. If you look at the top guys, top top eaters, I should say, men and women in the world, we've all come from a sporting background where it takes discipline and training. But to be a competitive eater, you've got to be fit. Like 10 minutes of smashing hot dogs, there's not a lot of breathing going on. You know what I mean? You're essentially swimming. <laughs> <laughs> if you just join me on RN Drive, competitive eater James Webb is my guest. Tell me about the training because you yourself used to play semi-pro football in Sydney until you got sick. Tell me about that because I understand you had what, what is thought to be a fairly rare autoimmune disease. Yeah, so it's called Guillain-Barre syndrome. Basically, Guillain-Barre syndrome, your immune system attacks your body. But basically, my body got confused, turned on itself, and started eating away the good stuff, not the bad stuff. Attacked my spine, causing really serious nerve damage and a lot of other organ issues, um, a lot of things like that. I was paralyzed. I was on a ventilator. Changed my life. You go from a semi-pro soccer player to literally in a hospital bed where you can't move. It taught me a lot. And... I guess my competitive background, you know, my elite level sporting background, it helped me rehabilitate because no one likes a grueling preseason or when you get injured or whatever. So I just use that kind of stubborn mentality where you just kind of push yourself to get better. You were so sick with Guillain-Barre syndrome that you were still receiving treatment in July, I understand. What, what, what is the... What does your day job uh, do in terms of interaction with your health? Is there any connection? What do your doctors say about your, your day job? Yeah, so look, I still have to get treatment every six months. I spend a day in hospital every six months getting my infusions and things like that. 
Um, my doctor, look, I, obviously, um, competitive eating. It. I'm not. I'm not going to say what I do is 100% healthy. I will say, you know, it could be worse. I'm not doing drugs. I'm not drinking alcohol. It's food. My doctors, obviously, because of my health condition, I get checkups very regularly. Probably more than most already. I get checked for a lot of things because of my health condition. When I started, when I decided I'm going to give this a, a shake, I went to my doctor and I said, "Listen, this is what I'm going to do. To date, it's been fine." But I also know how far I've come and I'm not trying to do anything to go backwards and screw up my health. My doctor, obviously, he's seen me come a long way. So he said, look, these are what you've got to look out for. This is what I'm going to test you for on a regular basis. And you just need to listen to your body. Two years later, I haven't had any issues. The biggest issue I've had is from my dentist because I've got a receding gum on one side where I always chew in a contest. <laughs> you've got a favorite side of your jaw? I do. I, I favor my right side. I think it's because I'm a left-hander <laughs> and it's uh, it's like a little bit lower than the rest, but my dentist noticed it straight away. It does sound like uh, you're similar to other sports men and women, you know, in the sense that, you know, your body eventually catches up to you. What's the timeline here? How long can you continue to do this? Well, if you look at the top dog, Joey Chestnut, he's elite. You know, he's he's something else, but he's been doing this for 20 years. It does sound like you've very much found your calling. Uh, great to have a chance to chat with you, James. Competitive eater James Webb's been my guest. You can find him on social media platforms as J Webby Can Eat. Bon appetit. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. For more great conversations, search for The Drawing Room on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.